Thank you so much, ladies. I trust that that is your heart's desire this morning, is to draw nearer to God. We serve a a risen Savior. We serve a worthy Savior, and He's worthy of all of our praise, all of our adoration, all of our desire in our life. And we ought to be daily seeking to give everything back to Him, daily seeking to draw nearer to the One that has given everything to us. I trust that's your heart's desire this morning. It's such a privilege to be here with you, and it's such an honor to have the opportunity to open God's Word and just share it with you this morning. If you would, take your Bibles with me and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be this morning. I trust that you, you did bring your Bible with you. Um, if I could just encourage you with something. Anytime the Word of God is being preached, anytime the Word of God is being discussed or opened, um, I challenge you, bring, bring a copy of God's Word with you. Now, I'm, I'm not against you know, electronic versions of the Bible, but I think there's a special connection that we can have with the Bible. And I know that, you know, because I've been here before, I've opened up, you know, my, my iPhone and, and on my Bible app, you know, and you you're, you're, have good intentions, you have, you know, you're thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay focused on the Word of God as it's being preached, but then, you know, you get that notification, right? And you have a split second to decide, what am I going to do, <laughs> you know? Uh, please tell me I'm not the only one that's been there, right? Okay, thank you. And um, it, it's something that can take away from what's most important in our lives. And, and I know electronics, they have, they have so many good, good potential, so much good resources for us when, considering the Bible and studying. And believe me, I use all of those, those different means, but I think that the devil wants to use our electronic devices when the Word of God is being proclaimed to distract us from what God is trying to do in our lives. And the sad reality is there's some that sit in this chapel service and there's some that claim to be Christians and we don't even, we don't even try. We don't even open our Bibles at all, even on our phones. And I'm not trying to hop on a hobby horse and I'm not trying to hop on a soapbox or anything, but listen, there, it is vastly important that we value the Word of God. And I'm telling you, if you can't take 25 minutes out of your day to turn off your cell phone and focus on the most important thing in this entire world, which is your relationship with God. That's a direct slap in the face to God Almighty. And it's not about me. I'm just telling you that. It's not about anybody that's preaching in chapel. It's all about God. It's all about his word. God's word, it's quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's, it's like the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. I promise you, if you come to chapel with a Bible and with a notebook and with a pen and you pay close attention, I promise you God and his promises are going to open up so much more in your life. I can say that with confidence because I've been there. I can say that with confidence because in my life, it's been something for me that has drastically transformed my relationship with my Savior. And I don't, I don't want to be hard on anybody here this morning And I don't want to make it sound like, okay, I need all of your attention because I don't. But I just want everybody in this room to know that the most important thing when God's word is being opened is to give it attention. Allow the Holy Spirit to indwell your heart and to challenge you by means of the scripture. And so if you would, stand with me as we read out of respect for God's word. We're going to read... Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And here's the little phrase I want to key in on in, in this morning is, for consider him, consider him, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your own minds. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that it has. We pray that your Holy Spirit would work in a mighty way this morning. I pray that you would cleanse me of sin and empty me of self. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would work in and through me. I pray that the, the word of God can challenge our hearts here, even this morning. We love you, and you're so worthy of all of our praise and all of our dedication. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. This word to consider in our English language could be defined as to think carefully about something. Or we typically consider something before we make a big decision in our life. Or to regard someone or something as having a specified quality. I think we've all used this this verbiage in our life of we're considering doing something. We're considering what we're going to do in our future. But it's interesting to note here in the Greek... This word literally is, this word is translated to reckon up, or the literal translation to reason up. This word clearly implies in this passage the need for a careful assessment. It's also super interesting to note that this is the only time in the New Testament where this Greek word is used in this way, which I think should say to us that it's pretty important. The readers here in this text are exhorted to weigh up carefully the endurance of Christ when contemplating our own hardships through our Christian life. This word assumes a total and exclusive focus on one particular subject. And here in this passage, that one particular subject is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In 1996, Marla Runyon tried out for the USA Women's Olympic um, track qualifying. And, but sadly, her best time finished just short of the mark to make the United States team. Undeterred by that failure, she returned in 2000 and made the team for the Sydney Olympics. She went on to the Sydney Olympics and finished eighth in the 1,500-meter race, which was at that time the best time, the best finish time ever for a United States woman runner. Crazy. Great accomplishment. The insane thing about Runyon's accomplishments is that she was legally blind. Legally blind. She is the first legally blind athlete to ever qualify and to compete in the Olympic Games. It's, it's crazy because after her Olympic career, she switched over to running marathons as a legally blind woman. And in 2002, she posted the second fastest debut marathon time ever by an American woman. Crazy. Right? And as you can imagine, many people were asking her, how do you do this? How do you do this? Well, Runyon said that she can only see shapes and blurs, but she says that her lack of vision is actually an asset. She just focuses on the finish line in front of her rather than looking around to see what the other runners are doing. Not having those visual distractions in front of her helps her be able to compete and to win her races. You see, Christian, this morning, the same thing is true in our own lives. There are always things that are 
that are seeking to pull our gaze, to pull our attention, to pull our focus away from the one thing that we ought to be focused on doing. Many times these things aren't necessarily bad things. They may be good things. But we must be willing to set those things aside to pursue the most important thing in our lives. You see, we, we as humans, we as Christians, are always going to be looking to something. But today I want us to focus in on looking to certain aspects of our Christian life that will help us grow in our walk with God. I want to preach a message simply entitled this morning, Learn to Live Looking. Learn to Live Looking. Really, the, the thrust of this passage, the, the big idea, the main concept from these three verses that we must take away is that considering Christ as a Christian, as a follower of God, demands our intentional focus. Considering Christ demands intentional focus. This begs the question in our lives, well, where, where ought our focus to be? Where should we be focusing as, as a believer? Well, I believe that this passage shows us that living considering Christ requires us to look closer and intentionally in three separate areas. If you look with me to verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Number one, we must look back. We must look back. We must look to the runners who have run this same race before us. And as we seek to consider Christ, we can first look to those that have run this very same race before us. We can look to their example, and we can mimic their lives. And for sake of time, we won't look back, but chapter 11, read through that. It's the hall of faith. And in verses 36 through 40, we see the the suffering and the pain and the agony that these people persevered for the faith. They endured hardship, and they, they stood for what was right so that we have the opportunity to stand and to support this same gospel and to live our Christian lives. We are so blessed in our lives, Christian, to have countless examples who have persevered and who have laid the groundwork in the preservation of the gospel. And I think it's so sad to see young people today that despise the godly heritage that we have in our lives. I mean, just look around us here in this, here in this auditorium. We have, we have teachers, and we have pastors, and we have evangelists, and we have people that we ought to be looking to and going and talking to and thanking them and, and look to their race. These people that have run their race so well, we ought to be looking to those individuals. Don't put that aside. Don't forsake that. Look to them. And I don't know why our generation, we feel like we have to be all new and we all have to, you know, defy the odds. And when, when it comes to Christianity, no, we ought to be looking to those who have run favorably with God. You know, God isn't a God of favorites, but he does favor those who walk in a right standing with him. And so we ought to be looking to those people who are walking in favor with God. So point number one, we must look back. Look to those who have run this race before us. But then verse one goes on to say, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us. Point number two, as we seek to consider Christ and and we see that we have to have intentional focus, we intentionally look back. We look to those who have run before us. But secondly, we must look within. Look in. And we have to lay aside these weights and the sin which is besetting us. We must assess what needs to change in our lives. 
We must get rid of these things within our lives that are holding us back from pursuing the ultimate prize, the ultimate goal. And it's, and it's interesting to note here that the readers would have totally understood this analogy of running a race because they knew that, that running a, uh, the, the Greek training for running was a rigorous race. And they knew how to run a race, and they knew how to run a race well. They knew that nothing which add weights to a runner was retained. They would only run with the essentials. And so this begs the question in our lives as Christians, are we running our Christian race with just the essentials? Or are we weighted down by so many different things? And once again, these things not always are bad things, but they're things that are pulling us away from what is most important. And you see, the devil wants to tempt you. The devil wants to tempt us into thinking that these sorts of things are not that big of a deal. When in reality, they're taking away from the most important thing in our lives. They're desensitizing us, and they're literally destroying us from the inner core. These things that once used to sting and once used to prick our conscience, no longer prick our conscience because of the weight that is pulling us down. And I can't help but think of the, the mass influence of social media in our lives and how movies and how TV shows and how YouTube and now TikTok and Instagram, all of these things are infiltrating our lives and are desensitizing us as Christians. The words that we once used to not say, we're now saying. The music we once used to not listen to, we're now listening to. The things we're looking at that we used to not look at, we're now looking at and we're now indulging in our lives. And it's all because of improper weights that are pulling us down. The devil is so, so sneaky in the way that he's trying to destroy you, destroy us as believers. So we're being pulled down by these weights and the sin. If there's sin in our lives this morning, repent. God's here for you, and he wants, he wants to seek restitution. We must be seeking to run this race, assessing what needs to change in our lives. Up in the Arctic Circle, there is a tribe of Eskimos that have an interesting tactic, yet very effective tactic, in the way that they seek to hunt and kill and trap wolves. What they do is they take a knife, and they sharpen that knife as sharp as they possibly can to where it's razor sharp. And then they go outside, and they take, they take a basin of seal blood, and they dip that knife in the seal blood. And then they, they leave it outside to freeze. And then they do it over and over and over again until make, they make pretty much a blood popsicle out of this knife. And so then what they do is then they'll go to the area where they think that there's a wolf, and they'll bury that knife. And... Eventually, a wolf will approach the knife and cautiously, you know, sniff that frozen blood. And after believing that it's safe, he'll start to lick it. And then he'll continue to lick it and more rigorously lick it. And then eventually, it exposes that knife blade, that knife edge, and it starts to cut the wolf's tongue. Soon, the blade of the knife becomes exposed, and it begins to nick this tongue. And because its tongue has been so numbed to the coldness from the frozen blood, the wolf is unaware that his tongue is literally being cut into, fi- into hundreds of finely stringed ribbons. And the blood that it now tastes is not the blood of the seal, but it's the blood of its own body. Excited at the prospect of fresh, warm blood, the wolf will hungrily lick the blade all the more. 
In a short time, this wolf will grow dizzy and disoriented, and in a matter of hours, it will die from the blood loss, literally drinking itself to death. As horrible and as grotesque as this picture is, it illustrates such an important truth in our life as a believer. Sin is a trap. Sin is like that knife. And the devil is seeking to delusion us into thinking something that is so significant is insignificant. Something that will destroy us is not that big of a deal. The devil is such a crafty, deceiving, conniving being. 1 Peter 5.8 talks about that. He's, he's a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking to devour those who are tr- seeking to follow God. So this, this has to be a wake-up call in our lives as believers. As we consider Christ, and as we focus on the most important thing in our lives, we're laying aside the weight. We're laying aside the sin because it's a trap. The devil wants nothing more than to destroy you. And, he, and if he can help it, he's going to make it to where you're literally destroying yourself. We must be cautious of this. However, it's such a comfort to know that if we truly are one of God's children, then he assists us in this process of laying aside the weight and laying aside the sin. It's a promise. Look at verses 5 and 6. It says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Forget this. Who the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. What a comfort to know the chastening of God is because he loves us. He wants to keep that right standing with us. He wants to keep us close to him. And then the verse, this verse, so not only are we laying aside the weight and we're laying aside the sin, but then we're running with patience the race that is set before us. This is the positive reinforcement of proper Christian living. And so I'm sure there's many in this, in this room that are running their race well with perseverance, saying no to sin, laying aside the weights. And to that I say, keep going, keep going, keep running your race well. And this is exactly what the, the author is saying here in this passage. You know, Paul writes of this same struggle, the struggle to fight sin and to lay aside weights. In 1 Timothy 6, 12, where he says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold unto eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession. It's a fight. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, but in reality, you're the only person that knows how your race is being run. You can fake it all day, and you can make it look like on the outside, oh yeah, my race is being run in the right way. I'm doing a great, great job. But listen, Christian, you're only as spiritual as you are before the eyes of God alone. And I wonder if we were to have an encounter with God today, would he say, That's one of my servants that's running their race well. That's a servant that is living, considering Christ every day. That's a servant that is running the race with patience, with endurance, looking unto me. This is is what it's all about. Running our race in light of our salvation. He's such a worthy Savior. So considering Christ demands this intentional focus. And I'm telling us, Christian, we must look back. We have to look back to these people who have run, who have laid the groundwork for us. We have to look within. We have to to assess 
the, 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 our own spiritual lives and lay aside the weight and the sin and endure, persevere for Christ. But then, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The third look that we look to is we must look up. So we look back, we look in, and then we look up. And I love this because without looking up, we're not able to properly look back and look in. This is the climax of this passage. Looking unto Jesus, focusing on Christ and all that he's done for us. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for my salvation. I'm so thankful for the finished work of Christ on the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, so that we can have new life, and we can have life more abundant. There's joy in serving Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm having the time of my life serving Jesus. I don't need any of that stuff that the world says is fun. Because God, in your relationship with Christ, is the, is the most important thing. He is our ultimate example. He is our highest prize. He is our, he is our main focus. He, he ought to be our number one priority as we run this race called life. And I love the idea because as we look to Jesus, he looks upon us. God considers us. This fine, microscopic piece of dust in a vast universe, yet he cares for you and he cares for me. Psalm 139, 17 and 18 say, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sands. If we were to take all of the sands of the entire earth and put them together, that's not even the beginning of the thoughts that God has towards you and towards me. And these aren't, these aren't thoughts of hatred. These aren't thoughts of, of, of judgment. These are thoughts of love and of hope and of peace. He thinks on us. So why don't we think upon him? Why don't we give everything back to the one who is giving everything to us? Verse 2, he, it says that he joyed. He joyed in this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He joyed in giving his life for a wicked sinner like me and a wicked sinner like you. I don't know about you, but that motivates me to give everything back to the one that deserves everything. You know, as we look up, as we look and as we consider Christ closely, it's important that we consider the person of Jesus. We look to to his time here on earth and we look to to the person. And as we look up to Christ, it means that, that Jesus Christ becomes our literal standard of living. His standard becomes our standard, period. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. We must live as Jesus Christ lived. Connection with Christ demands an abandonment of self and all other worldly pleasures. Because, you see, we understand this. It's it's impossible to look two places at once. You know, we hear the, the, the phrase, you know, I have eyes in the back of my head. Well, obviously that's not true, right? We can only be looking at one thing. And this is what I'm saying here, and this is what the text is saying here. Look to Jesus. Look, consider, consider Christ. He's your standard of living. No other standard compares to the standard of Christ. So if you truly are a believer this morning, Jesus Christ becomes our standard. And you see, this is why we act different. This is why we talk different. This is why we look different. This is why we don't listen to the same music that the world listens to. This is, this is why we have a standard for living, because Jesus Christ is our standard. He's given everything for us. 
It's, it's not a cult, but it's a calling. God has called us. We're, we're, we're children of Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be you what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. If you're a friend of the world, Christian today, if you're flirting with the world, if you're messing around, you're literally an enemy to God. And I pray that that's not so of us, but if it is, there needs to be vast reassessment and realignment of priorities and of habits in our life. Our word, our action, and our deed, and our thoughts all ought to be synonymous with this person of Jesus Christ, with this standard of Christ. Not only does it change our priorities, but it also realigns our perspective. We, we, we now see all that Jesus Christ has done for us, and we should be able to endure the hardness that we now have to struggle through as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Because we see in verses 2 and 3 that he, he endured such contradiction of sinner, and, and he despised the shame, and, and, and he, he, he went through so many hard things, and he endured the cross for you and for me. And I think if Jesus Christ can endure those things, I think we can endure the light affliction that's but for a moment, that worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, because we have a different perspective. We have an eternal perspective. As we look to Jesus we have a different perspective than the world has. And this is why um, we, we, can live with, we can live with an eternal perspective. And in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, If you then be risen with Christ, if you then be risen with Christ, if you belong to Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections. That literally has the idea of the, your desires on things above, not on things uh, below, because ye are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Ye are dead. We're dead to self, and we're alive to who we are through Jesus Christ. And this is why Paul could say with confidence in 1 Corinthians 15 that he dies daily. That has to be our, our focus as well. Every single day, realigning our focus, realigning our perspective, dying to self, saying no to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and saying yes to our relationship with God. And he gives us all the tools to access him and to draw closer to him. And I don't know about you, but that's my heart's desire. I just want to get more, I just want to draw closer to Jesus Christ every single day. And we have God's word, and we have the fellowship of other believers, and we have the, the church, the local church, and we have the Holy Spirit. These are all means that we can access to grow in our lives of sanctification. Yet when's the last time we opened our Bible? When's the last time we prayed? When's the last time we paid attention in church or in chapel. These things are so important in our lives. Yet we can spend countless hours on our phones, we can spend countless hours on our video games, we can spend countless hours playing sports, and look, all those things are fine and okay in their right place, but I'm sorry, if you could spend more time on your phone in one day than you have in your Bible for a whole year, that's a problem. That's a big, big problem. Christians, we must realign our priorities, and we must consider the person of Jesus. So, as we focus in on this passage this morning, we've, we know that considering Christ demands our intentional focus. We must look up. We, we need, as believers, 
a newfound gaze at the greatness and the grandness of our God. Because get this, a proper perspective of God and his attributes and his character will produce proper living, proper biblical living. If you see God for who he truly is, you will see yourself for who you truly are, and you'll see that there's a vast expanse between those two, and and you'll want to draw closer to your God more and more each and every day. Just as Runyon was able to run, and she was able to focus on the finish line, she was able to focus on taking the next step, we as believers today need to focus on those things which are most important. We need to learn to live looking to our Lord. And we do this by looking back, by looking in, and by looking up. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I think it's important when the word of God is presented that we just take a time to do business with God. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know how the Holy Spirit has worked in this message. I know how he's worked in my life with this. I've seen great revival in my own heart as I have studied throughout this passage throughout the past year. But take a couple minutes to do business with God. Reassess where you're at. Are you fully considering Christ this morning? Are you looking back? Are there weights? Are there sin in your life that you need to confess and forsake? And then are you looking to Christ? Is Christ's standard your standard? Take a few minutes to do business with God this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text. We thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, we're so undeserving of your love. I pray that our hearts would be challenged with this passage this morning, that we would live lives that are encompassed with considering you. I pray that our focus would ever be intentional upon our spiritual lives so when we see you someday face to face that we can hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Give us a great rest of our day now. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.